name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The temple that stood in Jesus' day was enormous. It was one of the great wonders of the world. It had been constructed, at least in its beginning, uh, some 25 years before Jesus was born, and the construction was still ongoing in some fashion during Jesus' own time. The temple was massive. It had huge stones, most of them white, and much of the temple was actually overlaid with gold. So when the sun rose and began to hit the temple, the temple began to glow and to shine. Certain portions of the day, one could not even look at the temple because the glare would be too much for the human eye. So you can imagine what glory this temple had. It looked as if it were solid and permanent and would never, ever go away. That's what everyone thought. And the disciples, when they were visiting, they mentioned this to Jesus. Look at these stones. Look at this place. And Jesus shocked them when he said, The day is coming when not one stone will be laid upon another. And in about 50 years, that prediction of Jesus came absolutely, literally true. Because beginning in 66 A.D. and then in 70 A.D. and then later in 132 A.D., every single stone of the temple was uprooted and taken away, even the foundations dug up from the earth. What you see there now is simply the platform that the temple was built upon. And the Wailing Wall, which has massive stones when you stand in front of it, is simply a retaining wall. It's a wall that holds in dirt the platform of what the temple was built upon. And so, something that looked absolutely so permanent was totally taken away. And it reminds us that everything has its end. There's really nothing in this life that is very permanent indeed. Even the things that we think are absolutely rock solid can go away. Robert Bridges in a hymn captures this notion. The title of the hymn is, All My Hope on God is Founded. The verses go like this, The pride of man and earthly glory Sword and crown betray his trust. With what care and toil he buildeth, tower and temple fall to dust. But God's power, hour by hour, is my temple and my tower. Isn't that beautiful? The only permanent thing is God. God in his love and his presence, his availability to us, And God is with us at all of the ends of our lives to start new beginnings. God is with us to move us along into the new direction, the next step, whatever lays ahead of us. And he is helping us move along in faith and hope and love. And so God is, in fact, our temple 
and our tower. You know, you may have seen one of those inner city prophets uh, that carries a sign that says, the end is near. Uh, It's almost a cliche. It's in so many movies, you know, you always have some sort of inner city prophet and the people are hustling and bustling by, not even paying any attention, but, but somehow that's always in the back of our minds. And so in Mark chapter 13, we have the words of Jesus about the coming destruction of the temple and the Roman army routing Jerusalem. And then somewhere in that chapter, it turns over and starts to look over to the horizon of the last days, the very final day, the day of the Lord, the day of the second coming, the day of resurrection and judgment and the ushering into the new kingdom. And so if you read the entire chapter of Mark's Gospel 13, it's called the Little Apocalypse. And you'll get a sense of this. And so, but what Jesus is speaking of now is, in fact, that destruction of the temple. Now, I know that immediately following Thanksgiving dinner, you're going to read Mark 13. And uh, even if you have to miss a little bit of the football game, I know that you can drink a cup of coffee and just uh, get right through Mark 13. But if you don't, that's what's happening. We're moving from something particular to the time of Jesus over to the very end. But for us, the end is always near because there's always the end of life. There's always the end of the life of a loved one. My family's going through that right now. There is the end of the health that we once knew and then the beginning of whatever the health situation is that we have. The end of a relationship. The end of work. There are many ends that we have to negotiate in life. But the good news is that God is our temple and our tower. His presence is with us, available to us, moving us to the next stage, to the next phase in faith and hope and love. I'm here today to communicate in some small measure something so simple that it does sort of get away from us. And this is the message. Christ is our real and only hope. God and Christ is our real and only hope. My hope is in Christ. Your hope is in Christ. Because in God and in Christ are the only realities that will always exist. We have a whole life where we see things that look so permanent, things we don't think will change, but as we live life long enough, we start to realize that change is about the only thing that just keeps on happening. And that our hope has to be secured in God and in Christ. We have this beautiful passage in the book of Hebrews where it says that there is a sacrifice that takes place. Christ is the high priest, and that sacrifice is once and for all eternal in order to sanctify, in order to cleanse, in order to forgive sins. We have entered into that covenant, and we participate in it, and we are the beneficiaries of it. And God has a hope and a future for us Because in his love and presence, he's moving us along in our journey. And so 
in our lifetime, our faith can't be in our own intellect and our own ability to get things in line. Our ultimate faith and hope can't be in our own health because that can go away so quickly. Our faith and trust can't be in our government because there's always issues and always troubles. It certainly can't be in our possessions because those can be wiped away so quickly. Our faith and our trust, our hope, has to be in God and in Christ. You know, the truth is, we have to plan, we have to make our plans, we have to use our minds, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm a part of the pension fund of the Episcopal Church, and I am hoping and, and praying that that pension fund is still fully funded by the time I start to use it. And I know that you're hoping that the economic situation of your retirement is going to continue favorably. But the truth is, you know, the the economy could collapse. Uh, The electrical grid could be hacked and the whole thing could go down. Uh, Nuclear war is just seconds away. I suggest that you don't spend too much time dwelling on those type of things. However, they are realities. We seldom want to be in touch with how vulnerable we really are. But we need to be in touch from time to time, not obsessively, not all the time, but from time to time we need to be in touch with our vulnerabilities because then we move, hopefully, quickly to God and to Christ, in whom is our only real hope. Someone uh, wrote a book called My Lovely Enemy. He was a Mennonite. Uh, He uh, is a Canadian, someone named uh, Ruby Wibby. And um, he uh, talked about the need for an increased spiritual perception about reality. And uh, he said he was too much attached to the things of the world, uh, too much thinking that things that were uh, easily understood and perceived were the, the real world rather than the spiritual world being the real world. And he said that he had to form eyes to see the spiritual world. Well, one of the the word pictures he uses is, is that he had to learn how to walk on his hands. And if you learn how to walk on your hands, you're going to see everything upside down. And so what would look so permanent as these tile floors would be up in the air and our perception would be that they're hanging there and maybe at any moment they could just come crashing down. A different way to have spiritual perception about what it is we're really seeing. Well, God calls us to maintain a connection with the blessed hope of eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. And hope is absolutely so important. It is what helps maintain the rest of our lives after we've moved into this covenant with Jesus that we participate in. And so, uh, in order to maintain this hope, we have to make sure that we're not stagnating, that we're not becoming uh, cynical, 
to just sort of think, well, it's all business as usual. And those are three things that New Testament professor N.T. Wright mentions. He says that the warnings that Jesus gave to his followers should be taken seriously, not only by them, but by us. He says, many Christians today face persecution every bit as severe as that which the early church suffered. And for those Christians who don't face that type of persecution, that's us. We often face the opposite temptation to stagnate, to become cynical, to suppose that nothing much is happening, that the kingdom of God is just kind of a pious dream. But Jesus would tell us that we needed to have perseverance, to stay the course, that we needed to maintain our hope, our hope that in whatever circumstances we would practice the virtue of hope, even if it was unfashionable in this very hurried and anxious world. I get a weekly email by uh, Frederick Beekner. Some of you uh, know him as a Christian author. And this is what he says about hope. For Christians, hope is ultimately hope in Christ. The hope that he really is what for centuries we have been claiming he is. The hope that despite the fact that sin and death still rule the world, he somehow conquered them. The hope that in him and through him, all of us stand a chance of somehow conquering them too. The hope that at some unforeseeable time and in some unimaginable way, he will return with healing in his wings. I like that. That's sort of a a general summary. But the saints have much more to say about hope. Hope, says Thomas Aquinas, is in fact a divinely infused quality of the soul, whereby with certain trust we expect those good things of the life eternal which are to be attained by the grace of God. Now it's interesting that St. Thomas Aquinas and the next author I'm going to quote talk about hope being something within the soul. Not a rational construct that we're trying to place on life. Beekner's words sort of fit kind of on top. But St. Thomas Aquinas and Evelyn Underhill reminds us that hope is in fact something deep within the soul. She says hope is a completely confident expectation. That sureness and certitude with which the awakened soul aims at God and rests in God. It is the source of that living peace, the zest and alertness, that power of carrying on, which gives us a special color that is the genuine Christian life. And then finally, I want to uh, quote a a very well-known theologian named Hans Kuhn. He says... He is a God who does not make empty promises for the hereafter, nor trivialize the present darkness, futility, and meaninglessness, but a God who himself is in the midst of darkness, futility, 
and meaninglessness and invites us on a venture into hope. The truth is, the God of the scriptures, the God who has revealed himself in Christ, is not a God that just covers things over. In fact, the hard, stark reality that we have to live in and face is something that God reveals to us. It was something that Jesus revealed to his disciples. But even in the midst of that darkness, that pain, that grief, that sense of futility, and sometimes meaninglessness, God is there for us. God's presence is with us. We have to make ourselves open to that presence, that God can be with us, that we can enjoy that sense of peace, that sense of hope, that we can actually have that divinely infused soul full of hope. And so that's why we're gathered together today. That's why we are at worship. Maybe we don't even feel like being here, but that's not the point. Hope is not concerned so much about our feelings as it is continuing to open up ourselves to God in order to receive hope. That's why the author to the letter of Hebrews encourages all of us with these words. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And that's God. Our hope is in God who is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together which is what we have chosen to do today. We have not neglected to meet together for worship, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching, the day being the very end of times. Well, I want to conclude with a prayer and a blessing from the Apostle Paul. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.